good day to you. And I hope this is a good day wherever, however, whenever you are listening to this latest episode of Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. Thank you so much for choosing to join us for this new episode. And just before we jump into it, something passed us by uh, because on the 3rd of August 2016, as I'm recording this, it is the 14th of August. uh, But on the 3rd of August 2016, we launched Soundtracking. So we just missed our seventh birthday. So um, we just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for your continued support, for listening, for spreading the word, for helping us fix guests on the show, for being a guest on the show, for whatever part you take in allowing us to continue to make this podcast, which we are grateful for, proud of, and hope to continue for many, many, many years to come. So thank you so much and belated happy birthday to us. Now, our latest episode of the podcast is with composer Paul Saunderson, who has scored most recently the BBC documentary Earth, One Planet, Many Lives, which is available now on the BBC iPlayer. It's hosted by the wonderful Chris Packham and the show is is quite a unique thing and brings together many of those wonderful things that in the Natural History Unit, the BBC do so brilliantly. The show explores some of the most significant moments in our planet's history, from asteroid bombardments to extreme changes in climate to the collision of continents using groundbreaking science and effects. The fact there are informed recreations of seismic events in the past afforded Paul plenty of scope to really push the sonic envelope, almost as if he were scoring a science fiction film rather than a traditional documentary. And we'll begin with his cue, Planet Reborn. Listen, Paul, thanks so much for, for sparing the time to to talk to us. I mean, weirdly just coming back from this road trip and watching the, the new BBC series, The Earth, One Planet, Many Lives. Uh, yeah. It felt kind of really apt, to be honest, because we were very much in a, a much more remote environment than I'm used to, which really allowed and encouraged us to stop, think, look, listen, smell, you know, all those kind uh. of things. And it's the great thing I think that the, the the these types of shows really really do is they kind of remind us about so much that we take for granted. 
congratulations, by the way, on on the soundtrack and music for this because oh, it's um it's epic. I love it. Yeah. It's so great. Epic is epic is the uh, the word. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you're kind of given that task of going, so Paul, we how do you fancy working on this show where you've basically one of the many things that you've got to do is kind of soundscape our our planet, basically. You know, I always love these shows. Like I remember, I always watched like the planets, the universe, all of the planet Earths, and they're just yeah. so amazing. But like more so, actually, like things about the planets and universe. Because I, I was like always obsessed from a young kid about like how we came to be. There's questions that you can't even answer, and so it was like yeah, 2019. This email popped up direct from BBC Studios. So I was like, hey Paul, um, are you interested in working on something like this? And it was like the deck, basically. Picture of Earth and just saying Earth. I just looked at the front cover. I was like, yes. And then I start reading. <laughs> those emails don't really arrive in your inbox very often. It was one of those things where I guess a lot of the shows, a lot of the things I have or the roster of music I've done in shows aren't exactly the same as this, really. You know, and so it was kind of became sort of one of the scores that I, almost like a score that I'd been wanting to write since I first wanted to write music for film and TV. And, and so it was kind of, uh, I just sort of jumped at the opportunity and like, because I just love, like, this score is very me and uh, yeah, know, I was with it for so long. And it was, I was given a huge amount of freedom, to be honest. As Were well. you? That's so, uh, that's so encouraging to hear. So basically right at the beginning, you know, I had a conversation with Rob, the showrunner, and essentially kind of not necessarily pitching ideas but just talking about what I was thinking for it and obviously a show like this the effects and you sort of are being transported like firstly everything had to be live like digitally recreated imagery and so you need to give the audience a kind of sonic grounding of it being real but then also like a lot of kind of found sounds and things that were kind of from the earth, I guess, you know, so you have kind of the orchestra and then this whole like world on top of it and behind yeah. that supporting. And so it was just, you know, he was just like, yeah, that sounds great. sort of um you know with these shows because i was on board like they already started filming i think the whole show was like two and a half years in the making i think wow um, you know from like pre-production because they got to write in the scripts and everything and like, i was on it for 18 and 19 months and i was just thinking like i'd never had been on a project and had two birthdays and yeah it just was like this thing, <laughs> um, i don't know i just thought like this is crazy a good way to um, base it by i've been on this for two birthdays that's a great way of like yeah. i like that yeah, yeah exactly because i i was very keen to obviously there's all this, this these graphics and what you see the finished product is not <laughs> like i wish i would have been writing to that right from the beginning but you know it, with a thing like that it's like you're you're working to sort of 
storyboard images with arrows pointing left and right and trying to guess what's going on. And so that opened up this kind of creative freedom because, you know, working side by side the edit in that way, I was able to kind of, you know, have a discussion with each director, like, what is going on here? And then write music and then each would kind of inform the other. didn't really use a lot of temp music particularly and so it was that was also completely freeing because yeah is that good yeah. for you because I know that it's a bit it can be the bane of some composers life where they kind of get asked to come on a project and the first thing they see and it's just kind of you know it's it's we riddled with <laughs> yeah we want this but not quite this <laughs> yeah 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 it, I mean it is like it is I mean so many composers will tell you as, as you know and cause, like cause sometimes temp will inform a decision that might not be the right decision and so mm. if everyone gets stuck on that, it's really hard to find another solution. So, yeah, it was kind of, how about this? I think we should do this. We should do that. And, and they were great. like, yep. And I, I, I couldn't kind of believe it really. And it was, you know, there was a lot of back and forth, like things changing all the time because obviously the edit was always changing. But mm. I kind of didn't really mind because I just loved this project so much.
Chris Packham's the kind of voice of it, you know, in terms of of he his passion for you know the the, the whole collection of those of that kind of world. I, I I've I think they're such an inspiring bunch, you know, whether it's. Chris or Attenborough or Liz Bonin or Steve Backshaw, you know, all of them. We kind of, as a family, we just love watching kind of everything they do. But Chris brings, I think, a certain kind of, I don't know, a bit of kind of rock and roll punk with him in a way. Do you know what I mean? He's got that kind of like sort of real sort of, this is what I'm going to do. This is yeah. how I'm going to say it. He just comes with such brilliant, beautiful authority, but with a kind of, slightly off center kill and i wondered whether he was part of the conversation in any way or, or if he'd voiced stuff that you'd seen or yeah how it worked uh it's really interesting you said that he brings like a kind of punk rock and roll edge to yeah. the program so, so the first episode actually that i scored was the third episode green earth and the director was like you know he said exactly that uh, <laughs> yeah. chris brings this edge and so when we were talking about the score, obviously Green is very, you know, there's lots of, it's very organic and lots of string pastoral sort of music, but we were kind of creating this rule that we need tremolo, Trent Reznor style guitars supporting these string lines to kind yeah. of make it so it isn't just a beautiful, you know, regular classical sort of score and it kind of opening up that as a world. And so, you know, there's loads of like I was kind of adamant I wanted to bring in a whole kind of band of instruments and yeah, like distort like in the distant and even like vocals and things. So it was sort of trying to make a sort of contemporary sounding score in terms of its sonics, uh, yeah. and not just re- relying on just the straight orchestra. To be honest, as well, it we're looking at other worlds, and yeah. so you you kind of want to feel other yeah. worlds. And things that are from, that have occurred on our planet that none of us have experienced as well. That's the brilliant thing, you know, in terms of, so your imagination can run riot in terms of how you want to sonically represent that or tell that story. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was, it's kind of a, if I'm making something, when people go, what's that sound? And, you know, there are synths in the score, but 
the synths aren't just kind of regular synths from a kind of synthesizer or they're kind of made from stuff and so yeah. giving that because we're looking at stuff like we weren't there and if you <laughs> yeah. look at some like other planet trying to sort of create this this backdrop of like an alien planet essentially score it like a sci-fi movie or like yeah. this dystopian place and it like opens up all these possibilities and it's probably like out of the whole score maybe one or two cues that are just bare minimal kind of strings and piano or something but something I was trying to do actually every time because we're kind of cutting back from the past and then to today is that when we kind of cut back to Chris if it's coming from this big like epic scene is cutting back right back down to like a re- the most recognizable instrument that's just like a piano yeah and just in that isolation and it sort of for me gave it that sort of human quality of it just being a recognizable sound of like okay we're back today then when we go back in time it's like whoa where are we now and uh, and this this whole new world and yeah and so it was just like a joy to, to sort of open up that I weirdly this morning was listening to, I'd been reminded on some, someone posted it on social, that sound that NASA released of the recording of a black hole. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was listening to that again this morning and it's it's only about, what, 20 seconds long or something, but it's possibly the most, the eeriest thing I've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> but then also, when you think about things like, I don't know, like, those Marvel films like Endgame and stuff or moments where, or even stuff like Interstellar, which I love that film and the score for that so much. You know, you're kind of like, oh my God, these guys know what it sounds like up there. It's it's so weird. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, with that sound coming from a black hole, I was suddenly thinking, oh, but who is sending that sound? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like suddenly like... Oh, is that coming from something inside? Is it a spaceship? Or... Is it a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, totally. I, I did actually look into... Uh, that... This is how I like, got a nerdy I was about before... We're all like, for the nerds, Paul. We're all yeah, for the I nerds know. on this podcast. But, like, if you sort of... I remember reading about 
sort of transferring like obviously in space there is no sound but there was uh i can't remember what it was but it was transferring like these signals and radio waves and things in into sounds yeah and it's like and you know like the sound of the saturn rings have a tone yeah and all these things and it's just like i find that amazing in my head the saturn's rings are like the sound that Hilda Godnottier makes on her cello, that's kind of in my head what it sounds <laughs> that's like. Exactly, yeah. so, that is exactly yeah, it. That's yeah, what yeah. Saturn sounds like. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned voice there earlier, and this is a beautiful thing. that um, I'm, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's been done with any of the other kind of shows that kind of fall within the, the bracket of this one and that you've kind of got a single for this show, yeah. you know, with Sifo, which is just, oh, I mean, a, astonishing talent. And yeah, yeah talk, do you mind talking a little bit about about that and yeah, how that came about and yeah, if you had to, if there was much persuasion needed by you to to get them on board with this, it originated from because like approaching a lot of the score in a, I guess I say like a tracky way, you know, yeah. like borders these lines, but sometimes there's they're playing in this more modern tracky way and they have these pre-titles and there was discussion about is there going to be a title sequence. And I remember watching, you know, the previous some of the other shows where they sync to track. And I was thinking, mm. like, if you're going to have a track playing a title sequence, like, surely the most satisfying thing would be to have a song that was related to the score or like one of the same, or like an extension of the score. Mm-hmm. I always find that really satisfying. In you know, like even like um, I went to see Oblivion, and at the end. There's this song by M83 that is basically an extension of the score and it kind of comes full circle. And for me as an audience member, that was so satisfying. I thought, why can't mm-hmm. we do that with this? And so I was like, hey, what about we do a song? And they were like, huh, okay, sure. But yeah. And, and then <laughs> it was, you know, it was a long process. And so I kind of mapped out the backing. Like it started from obviously taking, it had to be related to the theme. And so I started from there and mapped out this backing track essentially what the song would be also it had to be able to be like cut down because a lot of the time if the title sequence is only 30 seconds long or something yeah and then obviously the score is huge and so you need a voice that can within that world and not be kind of drowned out and I'd met Sipo at the Ivers the previous year and Mizuvisor who was working with said hey like what about Sifo and there was a few other names that BBC introducing through over as well and he, like he was on the list and it was like oh yeah I listened to his you know, I listened to his voice I was like wow it's amazing like it's this is incredible you know he had quite a lot of versatility in his voice you know there's yeah. fragility mm-hmm. but also there's power and soul and even like his head voice is strong you know and, and so he can kind of effortlessly jump between it and but he also has a kind of I guess like the otherworldly voice as well yeah you know and so essentially we got in touch in touch with his team sent the backing track are you interested in doing something like this and he replies straight away like yes this like he just loved the harmonies and how it worked the pitch was that obviously i didn't want to just write this song and be like sing this it had to yeah. be a collaboration because you need to get the best out of the singer so he came over here uh, a couple of sessions and he sort of wrote the melody lyrics yeah, and recorded it kind of at the same time. I, I was sort of blown away because there's really a few times and you press record and it's like, right, wow, okay, that just sounds ready. <laughs> and uh, didn't really need a lot of work and it was, yeah, it was amazing. And 
And so it ended up being, for various reasons, there was going to be a title sequence in the show which cut out, but then when we had the trailer, it's like, right, this is the opportunity, and yeah. there's nothing to sort of get in the way of it. Oh, I wonder just what we've missed and how we fell in love with our own abyss. Fully laden with gold. It's such a lovely addition to the world, really, in a way as well, you know, in terms of, I think, particularly with the quality of his voice, like you say, that kind of almost otherworldly nature to it. It's just, yeah, it's brilliant. I don't know why, I don't know why they've not done it before, but well done you for thinking about it. Oh, thank you. You know, and also, I guess it's kind of a bit like about accessibility as well. And maybe hopefully to maybe draw another layer of audience to a show like this that might yeah absolutely been, you know and so and representation kind of... as well you know i think this totally, earth yeah. is all of our earth and i think the more that that can be done through all the different collaborations that form the show is is to be applauded really definitely yeah oh thank you no, i love it yeah. I, it's funny it's been with me for like so long <laughs> and so it's sort of like for it to you know when it comes out and people to hear it and uh you know, obviously you hear like a short excerpt of it in the trailer. I want you to be on, um, to get on uh, uh, Jules Holland and play it live. That would be, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what needs live to happen. Orchestra, just yeah, like come on, one BBC, sound. get them that's involved, it. get it sorted. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be just... <laughs> that would be great, abs- yeah. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Totally it's so lovely because when I was, you know, when we were sorting out chatting today as well, it was amazing how many of the different productions you've worked on, you know, over the years, whether that's, working with Elan, who we've had on as well, or but also things like Three Identical Strangers, which I yeah. absolutely loved. I mean, that was just the most bonkers story. I think there's two survivors, is that right? Or two, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So they were across for the BAFTAs that year that they were, you know, and and um, I weirdly met them, like, because I'm, I'm friends with Dimitri, one of the producers on the, on the, on the, the, oh, okay, the film. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, it's so bizarre. But that was an amazing kind of film and story uh, and working on. And that's just another I think it's lovely to, to highlight the the range of things that you, you know, that you can do. And that was that must have been a kind of interesting one to work on as well. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about that project, I just saw, like I'd seen it was like a kind of five minute presentation of what the film is going to be and just outline the story. I thought, wow, that is a mad story. <laughs> yeah. and, and I then I you know I'd seen the imposter for that, and obviously that was like one of the first sort of documentaries setting this tone of sort of cinematic recon and the Talking Heads, which yeah. has now become so popular as yeah. a style of making documentaries. And Raw were kind of doing that right at the beginning. Yeah, and I thought if it's going to be anything near to that, I'm I want to get involved, and I just kept calling up 
couple of filmmakers after like, I'd sent some music in and Wicked. I think just, I pestered them and they were just like okay <laughs> so maybe they just got fed up with me pestering them amazing process actually because that was like the first documentary that I'd ever written music for. Oh wow. I normally come from a sort of drama and film you know sort of scripted world and so. Yeah um, but when you think about the things that you have worked on leading up to that things like you know that that I guess like even some like Coriolanus you know in terms of the kind of on, on something like that and working with Elan on a, on a production like that in terms of you know you've, you kind of list all the things that you've worked on you've got all those kind of ingredients to be able to come with such gravitas and weight to something like this i can't believe that was your first one you know it was kind of um uh i mean when, you know when i first had a chat with tim the director and it was i guess i sort of i kind of approach like every project in the way the we don't have to differentiate oh this is a documentary so we need yeah. to write document or whatever yeah. is the documentary style music approach it in a in the same mindset and that kind of goes the same as well with with earth obviously with that being just the story about earth across mm. five episodes score it like a movie have these recurring themes that come back that enable you know it's sometimes quite difficult to do that on a yeah. nature talk where you've got all these set pieces where you're following the Siberian tiger or something or like you're following whatever it is and then that story is tied up and then we mm. move on and then it never comes back whereas this it's the whole thing is te- was always telling us about the earth and so it allowed me to approach it in the same way as a film score and the character right. is our earth, you know? And so it's just like, yeah, let's play the theme in as many different ways as that we can and even just imply it all the way through and and it just to kind of give it that recognisable sort of cohesion, you know? And, and like with Three Identical Strangers, it was sort of trying to give it a really cinematic feel, um, mm-hmm. but also kind of gritty as well. film just kind of exceeded all of our expectations because when we were working on it it was mainly just like three of us me tim and michael who edited the film who then you know went on he's done hit it still and uh recently just the three of us like we didn't know and then it was sundance and then it was like oh, oh we're getting a grierson what oh we're like bafta nominated what top five BAFTA? like you know it was <laughs> yeah. one of these things that 
it just uh, struck a chord with everyone. <laughs> yeah, and then something like trying, which is this kind of, you know, it's this this series that just keeps kind of it's you know it just keeps running. But I guess that there's a lot there's a lot of work to do because that's kind of you know there's I don't know is it, is it a very different process for you on on, on working on something like that with a returning series where there's a number of episodes and, and comedy as well, you know, is it, a, is it a different beast? Yes and no. So I like, you know, I'm in my studio here and I play on all my scores. And so it, it's sort of, uh, I try, like trying with something that obviously now is sort of going into the fourth season and it's Mental. all live. And I know, and it, but it is, you know, it's very different from Earth. It's all very yeah. heart warming bittersweet you know it's all like piano and acoustic guitars and vocals as well but there is like a a sort of through line i guess um but yeah i mean sonically and and from an instrumentation point of view it is completely the other end of the spectrum from something like earth You know, it's enjoy. It's fun because working on all these different things, it keeps it exciting. Otherwise, life just gets boring, and yeah. you end up repeating yourself. And so, yeah. I love comedy, and I love watching comedy. And so, working on something like trying, where you don't necessarily play funny music, but you play into the comedy yeah. and that and the performances, those moments. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, it's all kind of I don't know. Every anything I ever work on. I always see it like a kind of puzzle, like the music, the scene is the scene. I just got to figure out how we get from A to B in the most concise way. And so it's, yeah, it it kind of fresh, like jumping from one thing to the next. It sort of, I don't know, keeps me on my toes, I guess. Oh, totally. But and then how important is it then for you within all of that, you know, busy enough, but to be making music for yourself, you know, Passage being, you know, an album that that you released in 2019 I think it was was it you know in terms of you know you're making that for for you that's not to facilitate anything else apart from your creativity yeah so I did I did that actually I was writing that at the same time as Two Identical Strangers I, I remember at the time when I was working on it I think I'd just been so busy and as any composer might tell you that comes to a point when you just start to get a little bit frustrated with the amount of notes and adhering to notes <laughs> yeah. and just, you know and it's like with every project, of course, like, you know, the the most important thing is the film. Yeah. So you're really not secondary, but you know, you're you're there to support yeah and adhere to what is on screen. You can't just play over everything. And so it was kind of like an act of therapy, I think, when I was like <laughs> yeah. that. And just like I gotta do whatever I wanna do. Yeah. Um I need to I release people... myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I hope that people enjoy it and um yeah, it was really fun. I keep thinking, should I do like another album, like if I have the time? Because <laughs> it is very rewarding. But 
having something like more recently I found I'm able to put my imprint on all the scores and I like the music that I'm doing on the scores and so people yeah coming back to me asking me to write music that I like so it that becomes a joy itself. And so it became less of a job and like definitely the earth because it was just like, I was waiting around to write a score like that for so long. And it was just like, ah, oh, I could, you know, yeah. It, yeah. It was just really, that in a, in a way it was almost sort of therapy. Yeah. Unleash. Um, what's next? I am I've just finished. Well, I just finished uh, recording the score for the sequel to your Christmas or mine. Uh, oh, with the Arthur Butterfield. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. amazing. So I did the first one. And yeah. uh, again, it playing into the sort of romantic comedy. Oh, nice. But, it, you know, the, but again, bittersweet. And it's, uh, but yeah, really, really lovely. Yes, I'm recording uh, the score for that at the end of this week. And that'll be tied up. And then I'm just coming to the end as well of this uh, American an action comedy uh, film made by Thunder Road. Production. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow, and, uh, John Wick again, very different. <laughs> um, I love, but it's sort of, I love the yeah, John like, Wick films. Know, kind of, yeah, they're just sort of uh, oh, they're know, fun, it, man. In, entertaining, you know. And so uh, again, just enjoying the difference between that yeah. and something like Your Christmas or Mine, and then yeah, trying season four is kind of starting up. So yeah, that's so a that's, very that's appealing me. menu. That's uh, that's a kind of it's quite a menu. That's, yeah, that's a great. I'm, yeah, that's brilliant. Talk about keeping things different. That's fabulous. Well, maybe we can we can get you back at Christmas then to talk about that. Both of those, if you're up for it, that'd be yeah, wonderful. Totally, yeah, yeah? nice festive vibes. Yeah, we wear, it's definitely. We wear a Christmas jumper. Yeah, that's it. I'm sort of, I have sleigh bells like surrounding me and uh, in the middle of summer, although we say summer, it's yeah, I know. It down so, with rain and it's so, like 16 degrees. It's <laughs> mental, isn't it? It's crazy. There we go. But as your programme at the minute, it's very much part of the narrative of that, of it's our fault, what we've done to the world yeah, that we're having this summer. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, it's been so great chatting to you. Um, really, really enjoyed it and huge congratulations. It's do you know what? It's really lovely when there are things that are on on telly that bring people together to kind of watch collectively because there's not yeah. loads of that around. But this show is definitely one of those. My kids are 15 and 10 and they kind of got very different appeals for them. But this just has something for everybody. And we have we've enjoyed watching, you know, the first episode that we've, we've watched so far. So, um. Yeah, it's brilliant. Congratulations. Well, that dark. <laughs> oh yeah, they've got their dark sides, believe me. Yeah. They yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. But we're looking forward to watching the rest. Oh, Thanks so cool. much for your time. So great to chat to you. Yeah, and you. Thank All you. All right. Take care, Paul. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks a lot.
From his score for Earth, that's The Rains, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with composer Paul Saunderson. Now, my huge thanks to Paul for taking the time to talk to us. You can watch Earth, One Planet, Many Lives, with Paul's music getting a full release in just over a week's time, 22nd of August, that's going to be out. Uh, And you can head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes of the podcast. And please do subscribe and leave us a rating and a review via your regular provider. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtrack UK and we also have a YouTube channel which I update with videos of our conversations as often as I can. Ludwig has just gone up talking about Oppenheimer. Greta is going up today and many, many more on the way. Uh, but join us next week for another conversation around film and music. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. 